So somebody that didn't take their Social Security last year because they were at full retirement age and they deferred, they got an 8.7% COLA behind the scenes and the 8% bump. So right. that for is, the, for I mean, that is massive. It's okay. critically important because of how how much that can snowball. Sure. That you go in and you look at this and whether you do your own planning or you work with an advisor that you bring this up because that is a guaranteed 8% return from the Social Security Administration. There is nowhere else on earth that you can have that kind of a guaranteed return. Did you know that I have three really complicated relationships in my life? With me, myself, and I? Close. My relationship with money, my relationship with people, and my relationship with self. And they're all connected together because when my relationship with money got out of whack, it totally had an impact on those other relationships. That, my friend, is what we call having financial sobriety. So who are you? I'm Matthew Grishman. Who are you? Jim Gebhardt. And we're a couple of financial advisors trying to have an untraditional conversation about our favorite topic, money. Let's go. We are back in studio today with none other than Beth Gebhardt. Hello. We still have Matthew uh, recuperating, and today's episode— I'm more fun anyway, aren't I? Well, sure. Than Matthew? I can say that with him not here. <laughs> Hopefully and he won't listen to this episode. The general theme today, the message today, is going to be a little bit on the tail end of our Medicare, you know, our answer— Which was riveting, riveting, can we just say. I right. just want to say riveting. We are sponsored by Snoozer, Snoozer Alert, is Social Security— Another, wow. What is a beautiful backup to Medicare is Social Security. Snoozer alert too. But before we get into that and all the glories and joys that we're going to talk about with Social Security today, what is on your gratitude list? I think the top of my gratitude list right now is the fact that our two oldest daughters are home from their- South Sea Adventure. South Sea Adventure, which was a phenomenal opportunity for them to be traveling around New Zealand and Australia and Fiji- and just coming off a of summer where our kids had some great opportunities to experience experience life outside the United States and life yeah. other places in the United States, which is which is great. And I am grateful for the opportunity to for them to be able to to experience that while I went to Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> and don't even try to pull off you went to Trader Joe's because you don't go to Trader Joe's. Okay, and you that's went, my gratitude today went, is that I, that I don't go to Trader Joe's. You went to the you went to the golf course. <laughs> that's your gratitude exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, and that's a wrap. <laughs> so that's my gratitude. What about you, Jim? What's your gratitude? <laughs> I'm grateful you go to Trader Joe's. Yeah, all right. I am grateful that you and I spent three days a few weeks ago in the great state of Chicago. Yes. Attending great a workshop. State of Chicago? Sorry, the great Hello? city of Chicago. <laughs> Uh, the great state of Illinois, where we attended a workshop on some pretty nitty-gritty topics related to Medicare and Social Security, which was great timing relative to what we're going to be talking about today. Right. But the ability to be able to get away like that and sharpen the saws, I like to say, and have a little fun yep. with you in Chicago with glorious fall weather. Oh, the and, weather was oh, perfect. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's not like that all the time in Chicago. Uh, we are sponsored by today's episode is the Chicago, Chicago. Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> so, I mean, Social Security is such a massive topic that yes. it's one of these areas as financial planners and in our wealth management business that 
we get into when we're doing the planning work for clients is we ask them to, you know, bring in, go online, get your social security benefit statement, bring that in, in addition to all the other documents. And when we get to the point of digging into their financial plan and looking at how this is all going to work, one of the big show and tells in the actual software presentation is showing them what the expected lifetime benefits are for a married couple to receive who live a long life to receive on their joint security, excuse me, on their joint social security. Right. Okay. If both of those spouses have been working in jobs that pay into Medicare, key factor, which we're going to talk more about that later. Mm -hmm. But if you're both in jobs where you're paying into the, you're paying your FICA social security Security tax, right? it is pretty routine in our client base that that lifetime expected benefit is over $2 million. That's a lot of money. It is not the least bit uncommon for that to be between like a million eight and like $2.4 million. Well, I think that's also, it's an interesting point because I think a lot of times people are like, that's ah, not even, it's not very much money. I don't need to pay super close attention to it. It's not going to be it's there for gonna me. It's not going to be there for me. Right. You know. So I want to dispel some of those. At it when it's people, really, people, no, it's really nothing it's, to scoff at. It is nothing to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. And while social security is one of those things where it's, it's too important for guesswork mm-hmm. in terms of just not really spending any time on it. The thing that I always point out, because I'm going to, I'm going to mention the A word. Rut row. What's the A word? An annuity. Oh. An annuity. Not an okay? annuity. So I just offended probably two thirds of our audience because of the concept. Defended of, or offended? Offended. Offended. Because of the concept of, of what that represents. Right. right? Doesn't the, everybody need an annuity? The, well, if you pay into Social Security over the course of your lifetime and you have four, 40 quarters that make you qualify for your Social Security benefits at an age somewhere between 62 and 70, you're receiving an annuity. Because what at the Good end point. of the day is an annuity? An annuity, very simply, is a stream of income. It's a stream of lifetime income. And who the heck doesn't want lifetime income that you sure. can't outlive? Sure. Right? Right. Right. It's kind of like a life insurance. Well, there is a little bit of kind of a life insurance component for Social Security in the context of there are, to the extent you're married, you have survivor benefits right. that kick in, which we'll talk more about that, but that kick in when one of the spouses passes away. Right. Okay. If you go back to, let's say, our our grandparents' generation, okay. pensions were commonplace. Right. Pensions were very standard issue. Yes. And what is a pension? A pension is a series of lifetime income payments that you can't outlive. You receive the pension as long as you live. With an annuity, that's the same. That's really the the core definition of the annuity. So Social Security is the largest annuity on earth. And yet too often, I think when we meet clients in the office, they do. They kind of, they dismiss it or poo-poo it a little bit like it's really not a big deal. Right. Or not a big deal and maybe not really, it's kind of a no-brainer in terms of when I should take it. Right. That is one of the keys to the castle here is is making, you know, thoughtful, intelligent, planning-based decisions on when you should take it. Another point that we're going to come back to. Just would like to point out that only 4% of people make the financially optimal decision of when to collect Social Security. It's not very many people. Wow. So I think the point is... 
you need to pay attention to it. Oh, yeah. You, this is definitely something not to hit the snooze button on. Right. Right. So, you know, the that and I've got just an example here that I want to read out to everybody. So if you go to the Social Security website and you Which, go to. Just, sorry, not to interrupt you, but I am interrupting you. This is one of the things that I think is an opportunity to make a point here about the importance. I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier about the importance of actually setting up your My Social Security account. Yeah. And because I've run into clients that have, they they thought they had it set up, but then something happened. There was some, something happened and they couldn't get in. They couldn't reset their password. It's a big old hassle. And it takes a little bit of time to figure that out and go through the, you know, you know, the process, the process yeah. of getting access to that. So yeah. it's, it's something that, you know, you can do when you're, how old can you do? You can do when you're... As long as you're paying in, it's going to have a record in, yeah. of your earnings. So you're going to go to uh, www.socialsecurity.gov forward slash my account. And I'm sure we can have that in the show notes. And you're going to go through the process, if you haven't done it already, of setting up your account so that you can see... It's your online portal. It's your online portal to be able to see what your Social Security benefits are starting as early as 62 and as late as 70. And arguably, it's something that someone should go on every now and again just to double check that what Social Security has in the system for you is in fact correct. Well, and let's start there. So that's referred to as your earnings history. Okay. And it's a little creepy, but it tracks your earning history all the way back to when you started earning money. And when I how does for, it have... When I worked for McDonald's when I was 17. Did you really? You do that. I stop. know. I'm just being playful. Fun fact about Beth. Would you she like fries with McDonald's? that? <laughs> so the earnings history is where does that come from? Where does that information come from? It comes from your W-2. So what the heck is that if this is totally foreign to you? That is the tax form that is filed with the IRS based on your earnings. So if you have a job working for an employer you are going to receive a W-2. Right. If you are an independent contractor and you, you're you on a 1099 basis, you still will have taxes due on that. It's a little more complicated. I won't, I won't go there. But most of this is coming off of your W-2, and there is a uh, what's called the Social Security wage base. This is the maximum. I know, I'm putting everybody to sleep, but have a little caffeine, baby. The Social Security wage base is the amount up to which you are taxed on your Social Security. So that is, you're taxed at 6.2% if you're the employee. If you're your employer, as in our case, you get the double on that. So you get to pay them both. Mm -hmm. And that right now in 2023 is up to 160000 and I think $200 of W-2 income. Okay. So if you make more than that, you stop paying into Social Security at that 160000 Again, I think I'm close on the 200, 160200 And that is what's called the maximum Social Security wage base. So if you are one of those people that are fortunate enough to make more than that at, on your W-2, you and whether or not you make more of that than, than, or less than that, it doesn't matter. You want to be checking in, like you said, every couple of years to make sure that it's properly reflecting your earnings base, your earnings history. And so I need to make sure that my Social Security online account represents all that money that I made when I worked at McDonald's. Yes. 
And creepily enough, it will be on there, right? That is kind of creepy, actually. Yeah. So that's going to give you your earnings history. That's going to give you a projection to of as of today of what your Social Security benefits will be at between age 62 and 67, okay? And let's just put it out there for a second. Let's give a simple example. So if you go on there and your monthly benefit today is $2,000 at full retirement age. Okay. And full okay. retirement age is? Full retirement age varies. I can, we can, we can certainly get into that for a second. So if you were born between 1943. Well, that's right. It changes based on the year you're born. And 1954. Okay. Your social security age is 66. It steps up a couple of months every year from 1955 to 1959. And if you were born after 1960, right. your full retirement age is 67. Okay. Okay. Clear as mud. But yeah. nonetheless, it'll show you on your social security statement. Can we frame that and put that up in our house? Yeah, absolutely. So what your full retirement age is, it says it right on your statement. Okay. So, so they'll tell it. Oh, so they'll tell you, you don't have yeah, to look don't, up this. You don't, you don't have, have to, to look this up. They're going to tell you. They've done okay. it for you. All right. Thank you, Social Security. So if your benefit on your statement today says $2,000 at full retirement age mm -hmm. and you live for 10 years after your Social Security full retirement age. Okay. So in my case, that would be living 10 years after 67. So you live to 67. So that's I a $262,000, $793 benefit. Wait, say that again. If you live 10 years after you start collecting Social Security... Assuming so to, a 2% COLA. So to 77. You'd receive over that time period $262,793. I could buy a couple pair of shoes at Nordstrom for that. Yes, I think so. You live 20 years, that's 583000 and change. Okay. And if you live 30 years, that's $973,634 worth of lifetime income. Now, there's a 2% COLA built into this. Okay. But can we just refresh cola just for our listeners that yeah, Coke, might not Pepsi, think it's Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, right? right. right. Fanta, uh, don't forget Fanta. Cost of living adjustment. Cost of living adjustment. Cola. So you want a cola. You used to like a cola, cola around 11, 11, 30 no, every day. clarify. Diet Pepsi. Diet cola. No, a Diet Pepsi. Diet Pepsi. We're, today we're sponsored by Diet Pepsi. Yes. So the cola is a big deal because, I, I mean... I don't know if you've felt the effects at the pump or the gas station or, or at Trader Joe's. Or at Trader Joe's. I've, I really haven't been there. Um, <laughs> we know that. The cost, the cost of stuff is up a lot. Yes. So not only Facts. is this lifetime income, this is lifetime income with a cost of living adjustment. And for those of you that are not, you know, in, in the land of Social Security or paying attention to any of this stuff, the cost of living adjustment last year for 2023, so it took effect on January 1st, was 8.7%. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big one. That is a whopper of an adjustment, right? So anything remotely close to that would push this 30-year example above a million dollars. Right. Okay. I just can't emphasize enough how important Social Security is from, from the standpoint of lifetime income. Right. And, and with the adjustments, with as the cost you pointed of living out. Adjustment. Cost of living, right. Because as financial planners, one of the things that we have to look at is we have to put a life expectancy in the plan. Right. And the software is uber-duber smart, and it'll say well, for a couple okay, like Well, okay, give us, yourself some credit. You're uber-duber smart, too. True, because I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last right. night. But 
the software is going to project a life expectancy for you and me in like the 92 to 94 range. And what wait, we, wait, wait. You're saying that would be that would be our life expectancy? Yes. Okay. Wow. We're going to be married a long time. Yes. God bless. Uh, God willing, and the creek don't rise. And the creek my, don't rise, as, as my mother say. would say. So we immediately slide that rule all the way out to 100. We take the little bubble and we take the slide rule and we move it out to 100. Okay. Because what would be one of the worst things conceivable when you got to 95 years old? You run out of money. You run out of money. And as Nick Murray, wherever he may be, God rest his soul, God rest him, God bless him if he's still with us is the number one thing that people fear in that age demographic is running out of money and having to move in with their children. We could have a whole podcast on, if this scenario played out for us, which one of our children would you want to move in with? That would be a, that would be both a <laughs> drama and a comedy. That would be an action. might even be an action. We could do a TikTok on it. <laughs> That's an awesome idea. So I, I am really passionate about lifetime income. I'm passionate 100%. about lifetime income with a COLA. So our listeners today are getting a little chapter and verse of what I'm like on the subject of Social Security and why we spend time on it because people don't realize the significance that it's going to play to their retirement, right. let alone if they retire at a younger age. Now, that's my transition into my public service announcement on please – don't just automatically take Social Security as soon as you can. Because what have we been talking about here? We've been talking about the fact that there are cost of living adjustments that right. kick in. Right. Let's talk about some examples where somebody doesn't take Social Security at full retirement age. Right. Let me just, before we even go there, yeah. let's just point out one of, the one of the statistics. Easy for you to say. Exactly. Is retirees will collectively lose $3.4 trillion with a T. With a T in potential income by claiming Social Security at the wrong time. Now, I think we have to cite that statistic. That would be cited from our friends at Horse's Mouth. Right. Just, uh, which is part of the conference that we went to where they, they referenced that data, and there may even be a subject uh, footnote to that. Right. Let's just talk about that for a second. $3.4 trillion in lost benefits from not maximizing your benefits. Right. Applying at the same time, well, which I know we'll get into, but you can also, you can change your benefit. Well, not really. Oh. Not really. This gets into the whole, the whole misnomer that they should, I should, I, I paid in and I want my money. So right. I'm going to take it at 62. Right. Where that can get really short-sighted is looking at, your again, I mean, we talked a lot about this in the Medicare episode, mm -hmm. but again, Social Security is one of these things that is very, very individualized and almost custom, circum, you know, sure. custom planning sure. to your circumstance. Right. right. What are your health dynamics? What is your life expectancy? What is your need from income? What's your work situation? Do you want to keep working? Do, do you do you want to stop working or do you have to stop working? Right. What are your survivor needs? Right. So in our case, let's use the two of us, right? Okay. So you you have been home. You were home for 20 years with the kids. Uh, Eating bonbons and watching Oprah. And going to Trader Joe's. And going to Trader Joe's on occasion. And therefore, as a result, my Social Security benefits are greater than yours. That's not a show-off thing. That's just a fact. <laughs> so if I take Social Security at 62... There is a, because of my age, again, this is almost as technical as the, the Medicare stuff, 
but at my age, I was born in 1970, so I'm born after 1960, which means my my full retirement age is 67. 67. That if I take Social Security at 62, I take a 30% penalty for taking it early. So that means that you're going to be getting 30% less yes. than you My would full retirement age. at full retirement age, which, which in your case you, is 67. Yes, which it will show you on your benefit statement. Right. Now, okay. where does that come into play? Where that's a problem is if I live to 82 and I pass away and you're now you're receiving my spousal benefit, right? Or you're receiving your spousal benefit from my Social Security, mm-hmm. which means if my Social Security is greater than yours, you're going to take my Social Security. Right. You're falling short on the benefits you could have received because we took a 30% haircut to take it early. And sure, there have been cost of living adjustments, but now you have to live on that smaller amount of money. That's the point I was trying to make a little bit earlier is that you can change your benefit. So in that scenario you just played out, I would have been taking my own Social Security benefit, right? Well, if yours is greater. No, no, no. We're talking about the scenario or the, the, the Beth and Jim scenario. Mine would have been less, I, but we were both taking our Social Security benefits, yes. right? We yes. Are, we're married. We're both getting them. We're still alive. Yep. We're both getting our Social Security benefits, yep. right? But then you die. On my way to Trader Joe's. On your way to Trader Joe's. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it's more like on your way to the golf course. But anyway, it's incumbent upon me, or maybe I'm wrong, it's incumbent upon me then to change well, my would, benefit or to Social Security. I would say explore your your options. Okay, but here's my point. Is Social Security going to automatically be like saying, oh, okay, hey, Beth, you, we need to switch you to your survivor benefit because your survivor benefit is greater than your Beth I can't benefit. answer that. Oh, okay. I can't answer that. Okay. That was the case with my parents. Okay. It did automatically switch. My father passed away first and the following month, well, there's a little nuance to that, that the month that you die you owe Social Security for the month that you died. You don't. You don't get that month. Sidebar. Oh. But so it automatically. So it's best. It's best to die in the first of the month. Right. Not which, the 29th of the month. Or the 21st of the month in my dad's case. Right. It did automatically adjust my mother's survivor's benefit to my father's. Okay. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say you that's gotta, the case. You be and there's, to and there's, there's, there's circumstances, right? We're talking about a married couple right? and those survivor benefits, but then you get into the nuances of uh, what if what if there was a divorce and you were single? So we have an employee who was married for 20 years, got divorced, has not remarried. That's a subtlety. That's another landmine. That, that is we another won't, very interesting there. thing. But well, there's, a, there's a marriage rule around if you get remarried, before, Before the age of 60, 60, it impacts your divorce Social Security benefit. Well, and you had to have been married for 10 years. You had to be married for 10 years, right? So there's a there's a lot here that we'll save for another day. But there are benefits where, in her case, and it's tricky to try to find out what her ex-husband's primary insurance amount, that's what it's called, your PIA, right? which is the benefit that you're entitled to at full retirement age, but he was a high wage earner, and so we can do some basic guesswork on that. And as it turns out, it looks as though when we've done some calculating and math for her, that her benefit actually might be more at 70 than his. But we're still trying to, you know, get some facts on that. Right. Point is, 
this is not a slam dunk. Right. The spousal benefit is huge because not taking that early saves you that first 30% discount or, or penalty. Right. Right. But then the kicker on the other side is every year that you don't start collecting Social Security at your full retirement age, you get an 8% kicker. So every year that you defer your Social Security, you get what's called a deferral credit of 8%. Okay, so if I don't start taking my Social Security at 67, which is my full retirement age, yeah. and then I wait, yeah. every year that I don't take it, I get an 8% bump. So it will be a 24% bump when you're 70. If I waited for four years. Yeah. Okay. And if you, if you qualify to retire at 66... It's a hundred. It's one hundred and thirty-two percent of what you were, would have received at full retirement age. So you add that plus the colas, right? Right. Don't forget about those colas. So somebody that didn't take their Social Security last year because they were at full retirement age and they deferred, they got an eight point seven percent cola behind the scenes and the eight percent bump. So right. that for is, the, for I mean, that is massive. Wait, and so remind me how long? How what's like the latest you can seventy. So you have to take it at 70. You can't defer longer than that. As it stands right now, as the right. rules are today, today. On, on God's green earth, right. uh, it's age 70. But okay. certainly they could yeah, change that the could rules. Change, yeah. It's okay. critically important because of how how much that can snowball Sure, that you go in and you look at this and whether you do your own planning or you work with an advisor that you bring this up because that that kind of income, and we get into it with clients all the time in terms of that is a guaranteed 8% return from the Social Security Administration. There is nowhere else on earth that you can have that kind of a guaranteed return. And we look at it on a case-by-case -case situation with clients to say, is your cash flow good as right. it is right now right. at 68? Yeah, no, we're fine. We're, you know, we've, we've got our cash set tucked aside. Uh, okay, then let's defer to year. And, and, it's not an invisible bucket of money, but it's it's not something that's in front of you every day and you can't right. look at your brokerage statement and all that. So to me, that's an automatic deferral where we're going to bump it and get that 8% plus the COLA because both once they start to receive it and for any spousal benefit, that's really significant. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for looking out for me. I'm doing my it. best. I appreciate it. So there's a lot of factors to consider when you're applying or you're thinking about applying for Social Security. Mm -hmm. And those spousal benefits, the divorce benefits is another one. But the thing I want to talk about next is something that doesn't apply a lot. It's really only about 3% of the time is what our friends at this kind of national network of Social Security gurus shared with us. But that is something called the government pension offset. And I want to point this out because while it may only be 3% of the of the population, if it applies to you, it's 100%. It's important. <laughs> it's critical. What is the government pension offset? So if you and, or and your spouse— And let's say we have clients in this situation. Let's also just kind of roll back the tape for a second when we were talking about pensions. And out of the several hundred clients that we work with, we do not have very many— that have pensions. Right. The majority of the clients that we have that have pensions are government pensions. They're either a teacher, fire person, police, state employee, Caltrans, whatever it might be, they're receiving a, a government pension. Now, some nuance here, and to those of you that are in the state of California, is 
most of the teachers that we work with, which is a lot of the pensioners that we have, they pay into the state teacher's retirement system, which is called STRS. They are not paying into Social Security. They are not paying the FICA tax. As a result of that, they themselves do not receive a Social Security benefit. They don't qualify for a Social Security benefit. Correct. Because they haven't Correct. paid into it. Okay. Now, if Matthew were here, he would be standing on the desk talking about his parents, right. who are both in educators in the state of New York. Right. Lifelong. His mom's a retiree. His dad's still cooking as the longest-running school superintendent in, in the history of New York State. They pay into Social Security. So not only do they have their their teacher's pension, but they have a Social Security benefit for each of them as well. Now, here in California, why is this important? Well, this concept of what's called a government pension offset is if, let, and let's use me, you and me as an example, okay? okay? So let's say you have been a career teacher mm -hmm. and you have a $75,000 pension at retirement. Okay. Okay. And my Social Security is half of that, is 37 grand. Okay. okay. Well, your own benefit. My own benefit. Okay. If something happens to me and I die on my way to Trader Joe's, yes. You will receive none of my Social Security benefit. <laughs> and there are calculators for this. There's certainly things you can do on the Social Security website. We'll offer a resource at the end of the show on this as well. But th this is a big deal. And if you're a teacher in the state of California or you're, or you're, you know, you, you're a government employee in the state of California, this gets really important in looking at the nuance of your Social Security and the specificity of your Social Security benefits from the survivor benefit survivor perspective. Benefit. Right. Right. <clears throat> okay. Now, using the software that we use to help clients with planning, we can go in and make those, those very specific modifications and run their plan to show that they're, you know, based on everything that we've put together, they're still on a good trajectory. But it's a it's a pretty bitter pill to swallow when you think that someone is paid into Social Security for an entire career and their spouse doesn't if they get hit by the bus, uh, their spouse gets nothing. Right. And it's not like that money goes somewhere else. Right. This is a hot topic for those clients. And I, I mean hot topic in the sense of emotionally. Right. Because of what, what yeah. it means. Well, we're talking about a chunk of change. Well, right. You know, there's I, I have some biases around taking Social Security early. I don't think it's a slam dunk. So clarify that. Some biases around taking, not excuse me. Take, well, no, I have or, bias around taking Social Security early, meaning 62 or 63. Which, okay. Just, You're the rhetoric major. I, thank okay, you. Just, I just, just to make sure that... Our English majors are getting this correct? Yes, that, the, that your bias is to not take, or your general recommendation is to not take Social Security early. Yes. It's still a very case-by-case Situation, yes, absolutely. Right. Always want to say you've that you've got health factors involved. You've sure. got who you know. There's, there's a variety of things stuff. that can yeah. can apply here. So if you start taking your Social Security prior to full retirement age, yes, and you're still working, because a lot of the people that we talk to that want to take it early, they 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 have a mindset around. Well, I you know it's my money. Right. I want, I want it. it. I get that. But let's slow the roll and let's look at this because if they're still working. We could have a show just on on this is the what's called the earnings threshold test. 
has to do, well, I know. I mean, this is not sexy, riveting stuff, I but it, it is, I mean, it is a series of, again, landmines. Right. That if you're just kind of asleep at the wheel and you're like, I want my social security, give it to me now. Right. And you're still working. Well, if you make more than $21,240 in 2023, then you're going to have benefits withheld. Now, I do want to, I want to use, I, wor- I use that word very intentionally, withheld. Okay. It is not a penalty. The difference in terms of what you're receiving from your full retirement age to 62, that 30% if you're born after 1960, uh-huh. that is a penalty. You, there's no way to get that back. Okay. That's gone. Gonzo. That decision is a one and done. These are benefits that are withheld until you reach full retirement age. Okay. And then there's a really complicated calculation, no doubt. which we will not get into today, that is going to adjust your Social Security for those benefits that were withheld. So they are they add that back in, ish. Ish. Not, not necessarily on a one-for-one basis. Okay. So again, the point here is that this is complex. Right. I know we've talked a lot about not necessarily taking benefits early at like, let's say 62. Right. And I just, I want to kind of recap it for everybody. Okay. Because it's just one of those things where I think too often emotion gets into the decision making. Mm -hmm. And as you and I have said for years, as we've said on this show for several years, is when emotion creeps into the conversation, you're not acting rationally. Right. And I think the numbers would prove otherwise if somebody takes the time to do the calculations. But the first is you're taking a 30% penalty if you take it at 62 versus retirement age, assuming you were born after 1960. Okay. That alone is a huge deal. Right. And people will emotionally respond, I'm not going to live that long. The system's going to go broke. I paid it. I want my money. I get it. Just hear me out. Okay. The next is... You're 62, and there's probably a pretty good chance you're still working. Right. And if you're still working at 62, there's probably another pretty good chance you're a high wage earner making, making you know. High wage. High wage. So you're going to have those early benefits that you're already taking a 30% haircut on now taxed. Because your Social Security is taxable. Is taxable income, Right. And that's another haircut. Because you're already, you're assuming you're a high wage in earner, you're already in a higher tax bracket. And now this is getting, your social now, security benefits getting lumped on top of it when you really don't need it. Right. And Probably don't need it. paying taxes at a higher tax. You're ta- in, paying in a higher, higher tax. right, than you, than you perhaps would when you're retired. Right. And not working anymore. Then you also lose the compounding effect of the COLA from 62 to full retirement age, let alone to 70. Right. So eight years worth of whatever the COLAs amount to on a compounded basis. Right. You've, you've given that up. Right. And then if you are in a position to be able to defer your social security beyond full retirement age, again, let's use you and me as an example, full retirement age for us is 67. Right. Every year we can defer that as another 8% bumper in our plus the cola in terms of our benefit right so i just i had to just talk about this one more time because i can't emphasize the enough how to somehow uh, separate the emotion of i want it 
Right. I deserve it. Right. I'm going to take it. Right. With the actual math. Right. And thinking through your spe- your situation your specific and if situation. you need the money. And, your, and, and you, if you have a spouse that you can, you care about and you want to provide right. benefits to, that is, you do the math on it. It is a meaningful, meaningful difference. Right. Okay. One other item that I wanted to point out. Yes. Is How much you love me. Absolutely. In honor of our anniversary. That's right. Our anniversary is coming up, actually. I adore my bride. Yes. Thank you. Ditto. We get into, <laughs> we get into something more regularly now with, with clients where I've been trained. I've, I'm kind of a trained monkey, a trained circus animal. Some would argue you've been trained by me. A, In the husbandry area. More than, <laughs> more than you might think. <laughs> that you can have too much retirement money. Right. You can have too uh, yeah. much qualified money. You can have too much 401k money, 403b money, right? That's what the lump categorization of qualified means. Okay. Now, Wait, should I go get your soapbox? Yes, I think okay. that would be fair. This fan. is an opportunity Did for the soapbox. Re, re, uh, uh, yeah. Polished. Yeah. yeah, polished. Now, let's use an example of somebody that's 50 years old and they have a okay. million dollars, whether it's them or combined in retirement accounts. Okay. There's something called the rule of 72, which is a very simple rule of thumb that says uh, either money, if it grows at 7.2%, it will double in every 10 years. Or if the money grows at ten percent, it will double in every seven in every seven point two years. Okay, it's a, just a math formula. It's not anything that Jim or Matt or Beth or Ace came up with on our own. Okay, none of us are Pythagorean, and this isn't his theorem. <laughs> so, using the rule of seventy-two, and we're going to assume every ten years, so it's growing at seven point two percent. The million at fifty becomes two million at sixty. It becomes four million at seventy. Now this gets into something called, we're not quite there, but we're in the zone of what I'm going to call required minimum distributions. Those rules have changed recently with the SECURE Act in 2019. But what they say is that the maximum age that you can let that bake in the oven is 73 years old. So at 73, I have to start withdrawing money from my qualified account. Yes. Let's say generally speaking for someone, your average person, that would be your your IRA, yes, which is your 401k. So you're seven, you're, now you're 73 years old. Let's say we coasted the last three years. We did, we, we, we know money for whatever reason, and we have 4 million bucks at the age at which we have to now start taking required minimum distributions. And I'm going to ballpark this just because there's too many nuances to it. Sure. But it's going to be around $150,000 a year as a required minimum distribution. Okay. Why? Why is that important? That's important because those funds that you're taking from your IRA. My required minimum distributions. Plus your Social Security income. Yes. Is going to have impact on your tax bill and what you owe for taxes. As well as what you pay for Medicare. Which because are, what as are we've those talked, called? We've talked about that. Well, your some people call them penalties, but... Depending on your income, if you're, the higher income that you are, the more you pay for Medicare, and that's referred to as the IRMA charges or the income-related monthly adjusted amounts. So right. basically the more money you earn, the more money you pay for Medicare. Right. So it impacts your tax bracket in terms of what you pay in taxes, and it also impacts what you pay for your health care. So one of my favorite strategies when I have a client that wants to retire early 
and they have some qualified money is we look at the fact that they're going to have no income until they turn on their Social Security or their required minimum distributions. So if they're in this situation where they have a meaningful amount of money in a qualified accounts, we will actually start to work with them on taking some of those distributions and living off of that money at the lowest tax bracket maybe they've ever been in. Right. Because they're no longer earning, have any earned income. So it's a planning opportunity because then the backside of that is they're not going to have bigger RMDs to deal with, which may put them in a lower tax bracket, which is going to help them both with, if you will, holding on to more of their Social Security benefits as well as potentially being in a in a better Irma, I'll call right. it an Irma bracket. So low, even, lowering their costs, their health care costs. Lowering their, their Medicare expense. costs. Right. So it's a triple whammy when you start to look at this stuff, which is why I just I'm like a broken record. Just just don't blindfully and just emotionally take it early because you deserve it or want it. Right. So, you know, there's there's so much that we could talk about here. I think it's I want to I want to reemphasize going to the Social Security Administration forward slash my account to go in there and to look up your Social Security, your specific Social Security benefits. Right. There's lots of online calculators. If you're working with a financial advisor, we would encourage you to have conversations with them, particularly if you have a pension and you're a government employee, you definitely want to be looking at all of that. Right. I mean, we have an example with a client where the wife was a teacher and uh, she's retired and she's receiving a pension of about $75,000. She's 65 in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. Her husband is is retired, but the buyout from his business is keeping him on the W-2 payroll for okay. the business for a couple more years. He's also 65. When we did all the math, his $3,700 benefit at full Social retirement Security age, Social benefit. Security benefit, if something happens to him, his wife is going to receive none of it. And he has some significant health challenges. And his wife is going to receive none of it because of this government offset. Pension offset. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So when we looked at all of this, it was like, you're really, there's no, there's no point to you to wait to 70 because you don't necessarily have a long life expectancy. You have a shorter than average life expectancy. Right. So this is where taking the bird in the hand and starting his benefit at full retirement age, which by that point, the buyout that keeps him on the W-2 for his business will be will be wiped, you know, will be done, that they'll start at least collecting the benefits, which over a, a modest life expectancy, I think if it was 76 or 77 years old when I did all the math, it was about a half a million dollars worth of income from mm-hmm. 66 and eight months until like a 10-year window. Now, granted, he's got to live that long. Right. But it's just, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to get on top of this, even if you're a number of years off from retirement, but bring it into your financial planner right? or go right. online and do some of the calculations. If you're divorced, you know, you got to give a little thought to what kind of earnings did my ex have? And the Social Security Administration as a whole are, are helpful people. But one of the trends that our friends at the kind of the, the national level have been explaining to us is that a lot of those folks were baby boomers themselves and they're retiring. retiring. So the knowledge base is not quite 
It's not transferring not as... quite as good as perhaps it was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So I would not encourage someone to necessarily think that speaking with a representative from Social Security is the, particularly in a complicated case, is the only answer. Right. So I think the point you're trying to make is that the Social Security advisors or people that are working at Social Security, their job is to process the applications. Their job isn't necessarily to advise you on well what is the best time well said. to take and to take into consideration all the different nuances of your specific situation. So the point on this is not we're not bashing the Social Security Administration, no. but not to be re- it's not their, it's reliant. It's not their job. It's not their job. Their, their job is not to advise you. Nope. Their job is to take applications. Their job and is to take applications them. and process the application. Right. So whether you do this yourself and you're going to do some online homework or you're working with your financial advisor, I think certainly if you are five years or more from Social Security, let's say 10 years from your full retirement age. So roughly just start, I mean, you start, the, you know, paying. Late 50s. You, yeah. Start paying attention to it in your late 50s. Yeah. Well, Pay attention, like we said, pay attention earlier on just to make sure that your, what do you call it, the earnings? Yeah, your earnings record. Your earnings record is correct. It's correct, 100%. And to the extent we can be a resource here, my email is jim at yourfinancialsobriety.com. We do have some different calculators. They're not DIY calculators, so reach out to us. Maybe we can help find an advisor in your area that has some expertise on this. Or reach out if you're working with an advisor. Reach out and, and, you know, have specific conversations about Social Security. 100%. Because this benefit is, it's too significant over the course of a nice long retirement. And it's just, it's too important. It's just too important for guesswork. You just, you're you're doing yourself, as as the stats proved, and repeat that stat with us again, only 4%. I believe only 4% take the optimal, yes, what make I, the what, optimal decision. What, what, and, you know, there's caveat because I don't actually have a specific reference to this aside from the our friends at Horse's Mouth, but only 4% of people make the financially optimal decision of, so when, of when to collect Social Security. If we wanted to try to, you know, somehow move that needle, I think we're doing it today because okay. if if we can move that needle from, you know, 4 to 5 to 6 to 7, that would feel very good. There'll be no way for us to ever prove our, that. This is our Social Security public service announcement. It is. It is. I'm so grateful to be in studio with you today. I think we should run out right now and go have lunch at Trader Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> and with Big that. splurge. That's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety, I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or 
or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.